Amen. Now, if you're taking notes, you should have some notes from walking in today. You should have some if you're following us online. And if you're taking notes, our message topic today is, Can We Talk? And then I put in parentheses about your trauma. So just look at your single neighbor and say, I don't want to talk about that. And look at your other neighbor and say, he's going to talk about it anyway. Can we talk about your trauma? And here's why I'm dealing with this area, because I've seen so many different married individuals have tremendous problems in their marital relationships because when they were single, they did not deal with traumatic things in their life. They get married and something triggers them in the relationship and it takes them all the way back to a traumatic situation that the person they married to didn't even know about. And now they have marital problems because they did not deal with some single issues. Say amen to that. And so I want you as a single person today, I want you to listen to this message in a different way. I want you to listen to the message with a prophetic ear and heart because the way I'm going to share God's word, I'm going to share it and I want you to hear it like he's talking directly to you. So I want you to kind of like forget about his, Pastor Evan's voice and I want you to listen as if the Father is talking to you. So what we're going to do, we're going to look at a situation in the Bible and believe it or not, there are so many individuals in the Bible who dealt with trauma. See, trauma's not new. I know it seems new to our society now, everybody's focusing on it, but trauma, trauma's not new. There's so many people in the Bible who experience trauma. How many know Joseph when his brothers threw him in the pit and they wanted to kill him? How many know that's traumatic? Yeah. How many know Daniel in the lion's den, they threw him in the lion's den? How many know that's traumatic? I'm pretty sure he had bad dreams after that. Right? So trauma is not new. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a story about an individual who experienced something very traumatic in their life. And we're going to somehow look at his life and see how we can overcome trauma in our lives. And so we're in 2 Samuel chapter 9. We're going to start reading at verse 1. It's a lot of reading. Okay, so let me just, you know, tell you that up front. And uh, just so you know, throughout the series, I'm going to use the Bible. I'm going to use biblical principles because I feel that what God has to say is more important than what I have to say. So in 2 Samuel chapter 9, we're going to be t looking at a, a, a person's life named Melphibosheth. Melphibosheth was the son of Jonathan, who was one of David's best friends. So in verse 1, it says, and David said, is there yet now, let me just back up. This is, David was getting ready, he had taken uh, the, the kingdom, he became the king. Saul, who uh, was the king before David, had died, him and his son Jonathan. And so now David is king. So he says in verse 1, David said, is there yet anything, uh, anybody left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul, a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they called him unto David, the king said unto him, Are you Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul that I may show kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan has yet a son which is lame on his feet. So let's just stop right there because 
They didn't even say the guy's name. He was known by his traumatic tradition, condition. He says, oh, he has a son who's lame on his feet. Verse 4. And the king said unto him, where is he? And Ziba said unto him, unto the king, behold, he is in the house of Makar, the son of Amiel, of Lodabar. Verse 5. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Makar, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come to David, he fell on his face and he did reverence. And David said to him and answered, Behold, your servant. Watch what he says in verse 7. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore all the land of Saul thy father, and you will eat bread at my, my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king said, called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertained to Saul and to all of his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him, and you will bring in the fruits that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king had commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, the king, the, the, the king said, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. I want you to pay attention to this, verse 12. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Melphibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually. Say continually. He did eat continually at the king's table. Watch this now. And was lame at what? At both of his feet. And what happened, if you don't know, and uh, I probably should have read it. But the way he became lame was there was a time of war. And so Saul uh, and his family was in war. So Melphibosheth was being attended to by like a like a nanny or a nurse. And so she had to run because they were killing everybody. She picks up Melphibosheth and she runs with him uh, away so they wouldn't get killed. And in running, she accidentally dropped him. And when she dropped him as a baby, he became lame in both legs. Because, see, some trauma isn't your fault. So if you're taking notes, here's point number one. Your trauma should not define you. It should refine you. Now, let me just say this. I'm not sure what you've gone through in life, but I I can guarantee you something. You're not the only one that's gone through something. Okay. It says your trauma should not define you. It should refine you. So let's look now. And let's depict this guy's life. In 2 Samuel chapter 9 verse 3, it says, And the king said, Is there anyone in the house of Saul that I may show kindness to of the kindness of God? And Ziba said, Okay, Jonathan has a son who was lame in both feet. Now, I'm going to drop down to verse 6 and read it, and then we're going to dive into this. It says, Now, Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, 
It talks about him. And then it says in verse 7, David said, fear not. Because when he came, he did reverence to David. And David said he wanted to show kindness for Jonathan, his father's sake. And then if you look at it, he said, why would you look at such a dead dog as me? This guy had allowed his trauma to define him. And here's the unfortunate part about traumatic things. If you let them define you, you will always be a victim in life. And here's the thing. Most people don't know this, but God loves you enough and who you desire to marry enough to not put y'all together until you're healed enough to deal with them. See, some of you all are not, you're not, you're not married. It's not because you, you, you don't want to be married. And it's, it, it, it's because you're not healed enough to deal with somebody else yet. You can barely deal with you. And you want to deal with somebody else? No, no. See, what happens is if you don't deal with trauma, trauma's going to deal with you. And in this situation, he saw himself as a dog. And when you allow your trauma to define you, watch this now, you get out of position for God to refine you. In order to walk with God at new levels, you must accept, watch this now, who you are, not what happened to you. You must get an agreement. See, here's how it works. The way, when God sees you a certain way, he sees you that way. But the only way you're going to know God at different levels, you have to now see yourself like he sees you. He's not going to come down to your level to see you like you see you. Because what he sees in you is much higher than what you see in you. And so what he wants you to do is you got to start seeing yourself like he sees you. And in order for you to walk with God. Because, see, this is what you need to do before you get married. You have to learn how to walk with God by yourself. And let me just say this to men and women. It, it, I beseech you, I'm using a, a Bible word now. I beseech you it, by the mercies of God that you learn God's voice before you get married. Amen. Amen. Amos 3.3 3 talks about us being in agreement with God and us walking with God. It says, can two walk together unless they're agreed? You cannot walk with God until you, watch this, until you develop the mindset that he has for you. You have to develop that for yourself. The New Living Translation says, can two people walk together without agreeing on a direction? See, when you don't know what God says who you are, You cannot properly walk with him because God's expectation of you is defined by the purpose he's put in you. So now you're going to think that God is pushing you to do something or to become something or to achieve something that you can't because you're not seeing what he's seeing. Say amen to that. So if you're taking notes, point number two is what happened to you does not eliminate God's treasures in you. I don't know what happened, but whatever happened to you does not eliminate God's treasures in you. If you notice in the story, David was looking for someone to show God's favor towards. Mephibosheth's condition did not disqualify him 
for what God had for him. And see, if you don't, if you allow trauma to define you, then you will think, watch this now, that whatever God has for you, you don't get until you get fully fixed. But that's not how it works. He already knew the trauma was going to be there before it got there. But so he doesn't change his treasures for your life just because you went through something. Amen. And God knew, he knew you. And he defined you and your purpose before the trauma took place. In other words, here's what I'm saying. What happened to you does not delete God's destiny in you. So many times we go through something and we allow what we feel like, what we went through and what happened to us, we let it define us when God's not looking at what he's got for us through those eyes. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4 says this, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the belly he said, before I formed you in the belly I knew you how can you abort somebody that wasn't there yet? see you know, America says abortion's fine. Okay, and this is, don't don't feel bad if you've done that. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing something out there. Anytime man's law transgresses God's law, God's law comes first. So here he says, "I knew you before you were formed in the belly." He says, and before you came out of the womb, that means you're supposed to come out of the womb. He said, before you came out of the womb, I sanctified you. I set you apart. And then he says, I ordained you to do something. He said, before you came out, I had something for you to do. Listen to the message translation. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. He says, a prophet to the nations, that's what I had in mind for you. So I want you to see something. God already had a purpose. He already had a plan. He already had a destiny for you before you came out of the womb. So whatever happened to you happened after you came out, which means that whatever happened to me was not defined by what he wanted me to do. Because if it would have, he'd have never done it that way. Now, what I will say is, I don't think you can, you know, uh, abort God's plan for your life but I do believe you can delay it I do believe many people go through detours because you know when you don't say yes to God you take a detour you ever miss the exit anybody ever miss the exit don't you hate Mr. Exit especially in Dallas where they got these you know you miss the exit and you got to go all the way somewhere you got to come all the way back around you know I hate that right well see when you don't say yes to God it's like you miss an exit. Now, listen, your GPS will get you back there. But the trip is going to take longer than what it should have because you decided to go your way. Look at your... He ain't talking to me right now. He ain't talking to me. He ain't talking to me. I don't know about you, but sometimes God's yes is harder than my yes. See, our yes typically includes shortcuts. How many like shortcuts? I like shortcuts. Yeah, yeah. But some shortcuts, 
you know, if you, if God wants you to do this over here and, and, and you want to do this over here and you figure you're going to take a shortcut, it don't work like that. Because unfortunately, grace covers our sin, but it doesn't eliminate uh, the, the outcome of sin. In other words, the consequences of sin, uh, sometimes we still have to deal with them. Amen. When I threw that coffee on that band years ago, right? How many heard the story? Y'all heard the story, right? How many? When I threw the coffee on him, I wasn't thinking about the consequences afterwards. I was just caught up. And that's what happens when you get caught up. You get caught up either in the flesh or you get caught up in devil level moments. And before you know it, you out there. So when I threw the coffee, right, it wasn't until I threw it. And this is how the devil works. He'll let you do it. And then after you do it, he'll be pointing his fingers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I threw it and the coffee was coming out of the cup, I could see the coffee coming out of the cup. I saw it. And it was at that moment, it was like it froze. And then I thought to myself, I'm a pastor. <laughs> I should have been thinking about that before I threw it. I wasn't thinking about the consequences. That's technically assault. Don't y'all think so? How many would have sued me? Raise your hand. The devil is a lie. I'm just going to just it. No. No. I wasn't thinking about the consequences. So when I went in there to apologize to the man, y'all don't know this part maybe, but when I went in there and apologized to him, I took a guy that was a member of our church at the time who was prone to fighting. Right? I wasn't taking him in there to fight. I was taking him in there so he could see me humble myself and apologize. So we go in there and I think they thought we was coming in to fight. Because as soon as I walked in... They picked up the phone and dialed three numbers. I saw them dial three numbers. I know it wasn't 411. I know it wasn't 411. Dial 911. Watch this. So then two months later, little month, uh, unmarked police car showed up at my house. I was getting out of, I was leaving the house and they, they plain clothes officers. It was a man and a lady and they came up to me and they said, are you Mr. Khan? I was like, I am. And they showed me my picture. I was like, how'd you get my picture? I forgot, you know, your driver's license is in the system. So they, you know, so they asked me, hey, do you know anything about an incident at Starbucks? And I was like, yeah, and I'm thinking, here it is. See, I, I, I didn't, I didn't count the consequences. Cause see, some consequences you can't measure. See, I know sometimes we try to measure the cost of our disobedience, but, but, but you don't, you don't have a, a, a measuring cup big enough for that. See, sometimes your, your disobedience will cash a check that your obedience don't have the money in there to, 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 that ain't in there. So I'm thinking, I'm getting ready to go to jail. So I started thinking, okay, who can I talk, call and get me to bail, to bail me out without being on the news? Who can I do that? Long story, I told him what happened. The mail officer looked at me and says, I would have threw it on him too. And they gave me a ticket. But what's my point? My point is sometimes we don't measure the, we, we want the grace for our mistakes, but we can't measure the, the, the outcome of, of the consequences. So here's a take home statement if you have, here's a take home statement. You must see God's treasure in you bigger than what happened to you. 
You got to see God's call on your life. That it is too big for you to keep tripping over trauma. Now, I'm not saying it's trivial because what happened was real. What happened to Mephibosheth? This dude couldn't walk for the rest of his life. But my question is, am I going to let, I'm going to trip over that for the rest of my life? It's not going to make my legs grow back. Right? And your thoughts about you must get in agreement with God's thoughts about you. Because until your thoughts about you. Line up with God's thoughts about you. You will never accomplish what God has for you to accomplish. Isaiah 55, we know the verse, it says this, for my thoughts, this was God talking. He says, if my thoughts are not yours, which says that God is thinking about me. What is God thinking about me? See, most people think that God's thoughts toward them are evil or bad. They think God's up there playing the single game with me. I know they want to get married. Put five more years on them. I know some of y'all feel like like single single singleness is is a is a prison. Pastor, I'm in jail. I, what am I gonna do? I need help, Pastor. I want to get married. I, I I can we talk for a minute? It's okay. Would you marry you? I heard some of y'all's thoughts. Some of y'all was like, H now. <laughs> I heard it. I heard it. you said it. You said it. He said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth. Listen, this is the father talking to you. He says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. For the rain comes down, it snows from heaven and does not return. But waters the earth and makes it bring forth in bud. And gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. This is the father talking to you. He says, so shall my word that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return to me void. But my word will accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing I sent it listen to the message translation this is God talking to you he says I don't think the way you think the way you work isn't the way I work God decrees for as the sky soars high above the earth so the way I work surpasses the way you work and the way I think is beyond the way you think just as the rain and snow descend from the skies and don't come back down until they've watered the earth doing their work of making things grow and blossom producing seed for the farmer and food for the hungry God says so will the words that come out of my mouth they will not come back empty-handed they will do the work i sent it to do they will complete the assignment i gave to them and i'm telling you as a single person when you start thinking like god thinks and when you accept what he says for you and you believe what he says about you you will complete the assignment he has on your life and you'll have fun in the process i won't say it'll be easy But it's worth it. See, nothing in life is easy anyway. But I can tell you this. As a single person, your life should be an adventure. How many don't have no kids? No kids, no kids, no kids. Your life ought to really be an adventure. All you got is you and your dog, Jojo. Even Jojo ready to do something different. 
I mean, what do you have to lose? Listen, because when God, here's the deal. You got to start obeying God with the little bitty stuff. Because see, some of y'all want, oh Lord, tell me my husband's name. Well, why don't you stop cussing and maybe he'll tell you. Just that little change. Because see, you don't, you don't, let me tell you something. This is free right here. You don't know that if you don't stop cussing now, you're going to cuss that man out. You're going to cuss that woman out when you marry him. As soon as they do something that you, you. That. He's going to be like, I thought she was a Christian. I love the last verse. It says that God's word will work where he sends it. And the word will complete the assignment that he gave them. And so when you and I line our lives up with the word, the word in me is going to help complete the assignment that God has for me. So here's the thing. How you and I handle triggers. Because see, you have trauma and then you have triggers. The problem is when triggers hit people, since they haven't gotten over the trauma, it takes them all the way back over here. So this is how it works. And I know y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You had a traumatic situation that happened to you, right? You don't deal with it. You sweep it under the rug like it ain't never happened, you know. And you don't tell nobody because, you know, you know half, the, half the stuff, you know, families, it happens in families anyway. So you can't tell your mama and then mama ain't going to believe you. Now, you know, you, to tell mama, I'm talking to somebody right now, to tell mama, because you haven't told her yet, and don't tell her, but to, to tell mama that her husband, who was your stepdaddy, touched you wrong. See, mama ain't going to take that right. So I'm, spare it. Take it to God. He'll take it right. But so you got trauma, and so you didn't deal with it. You, didn't, you, didn't, you just swept it under the rug. It didn't happen. And then something over here happens that triggers you. When it triggers you, it doesn't just, listen, your mind does not know the difference between what's real and what's not. See, this is why we have automatic success if we meditate on the word. See, he told Joshua, he says, Joshua, you know what? If you want to have prosperity, if you want to have good success, he says, I want you to meditate on the word day and night. Why? Because your mind does not know the difference between what's real and what's not. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know about that. You ever had a dream and you run it in the dream and you wake up tired? Sweating. You was running from a dog. In your dream. But you wake up, heart beating off. And, oh my God. Have you ever fell off a cliff and then, you know, they say, well, if you hit the ground, you're going to die. I have died so many times. But when you wake up, did it seem real? Raise your hand if it seemed real. You know why? Because your mind does not know the difference between what's real and what's not. And so what God tried to do is give us a way to have success automatically. He said, listen, if you just put your mind on what I called you to do, if you put your mind on what my word says, if you put my mind on your promises, on my promises, you'll put your mind there. He says, and you meditate on it. Well, you can't meditate on something without saying it. You ever met somebody and you really like them? You want to tell everybody, don't you? Can we talk? You know why? 
Because out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth's going to speak. So if I'm meditating in the word, I'm going to have success. So here, what happens is, we have to get to a point where we see what God sees. So here's number three, point three. You can't change the trauma, but you can manage the triggers. I'm going to say that again. You can't change the trauma. But you can manage the triggers. Let me show you how Mephibosheth managed them. He didn't do a good job. See, sometimes in the Bible, you don't just look at how good a job they did, but you also look at what they didn't do that was good. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 8, we're going to start in verse 8. Let's see how he dealt with the trauma or the triggers. He bowed himself down when David asked about him. He says, what is your servant that you look upon such as a dog like me. Problem. He was defined by the trauma. So when you find yourself going back talking about it, that means you have not gotten over it yet. So he was defined by it. So he says, I'm a dog. Maybe that's why you keep attracting fleas. Hmm. Stop cop, stop doing it. How many have dated a dog before? Let me see here. Dated a dog? <laughs> Dirty old dog, wasn't it? Now, a dog can be a female. You know, you got female dogs and male dogs too now. So I, I, just, I don't know. Let me ask again. How many have dated a dog before, Cesar? So some of the guys, you ought to have your hand up because you know <laughs> she was a witch <laughs> with a bee. I didn't say the word. I did say it. I did not say it. I did not say the word. You know what I'm saying though. No, you know what I'm not saying. So let's see what happened. This is how God, this is the father talking. This is how he wants you to deal with triggers from trauma. Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given unto your master's son all that pertained to Saul and his house. In other words, what David did, he took all the property that was that belonged to Saul. Because when a king became king, they used to kill all the other king, the previous king. They used to kill all their family, kill all their kids, so nobody would try to take over the throne. So they would kill him. Not only did he let this guy live, he says, I want to show him kindness. So what he did, he went and got all the property that belonged to Saul and he gave it to Melphibosheth. And then watch what he told him to the servant. He says, listen, I've given everything pertaining to Saul to his, his grandson, verse 10. And he says, I want you and your sons. I want you to work the land for him. He said, you know what? There's favor on him to the point where I don't even, I'm going to give him back his land. But then I want you to work the land and then bring the fruit to him that comes from it. This is just God saying, listen, if you will manage your, your, your traumas correctly, if you'll not let it overtake you, he says, I still have blessings and favor that's on your life. Amen. And then it says, Mephibosheth, I'm in verse uh, 11. Then Ziba said to the king, according to what the king says, your servant will do. So this is where now we have to adjust our thinking. How do you stop? How do you manage triggers? You manage triggers just like you manage your attitude when you want to go off on somebody and you know you're not supposed to. 
How many have bosses that seem unreasonable at times? Anybody? Unreasonable. How many have had a boss? Unreasonable. Yeah, right. And you, you just want to you just want to give them a piece of your mind. You want to cuss them out. Right. You want to hurt them. You want to you want to damage their vehicles. Right. How many have gone that far? You know, well, here it is. Your flesh wants to go off. But you know on the inside that you got too many bills to do that. Too many bills. You can't do it. No, no, no. Because Citibank is waiting on you on Monday to mail the check. So what you do, you reframe yourself. Watch this church. You reframe yourself from going off. Because watch this. You have the, a futuristic picture in mind. That's your bills being paid. That's how you manage a trigger. Instead of now letting that trigger take you all the way back, what you're going to do is do like you would have and say, okay, all right, all right, I'm being triggered right now. This person is doing this and is trying to take me back. Well, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to do what Romans chapter 4 verse 17 says. I'm reading this. It says, and it is written. He said to Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. Before him whom God believed, even God who quickens the dead, and call, watch this, read, read it with me. And call those things which be not. That's how you manage the trigger. You call those things that be not as though they were. You say, well, pastor, what is that going to do? Well, according to faith, you have what you say. So if instead of letting it trigger me back, and then I let my mind go back. And then once your mind go back, your mouth going to go back. Once you get over there, instead of doing that, you just say, no, 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 wait a minute, no, 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 wait a minute. If God is for me, who, who can be against me? No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. That trauma that happened years ago no longer is a part of my life. I will not let it define me. I will let it refine me. And I'm going to call those things that be not as though they were. So let's say, for instance, you went through a divorce, they took all your money. So now you are Scrooge. I mean, you're a budget person. Everything is a budget, 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 budget. You go to Starbucks and the coffee yesterday was $4.12 and now it's $4.13. You're, oh my God, y'all went up. <laughs> Man, it was just a penny. I know, but it, my, my budget. Uh, trauma. So instead of now letting yourself be financially traumatized, what you're going to say is, well, Father, I thank you because you said the windows of heaven are always open to me because I give. So... I'm calling those things that be not as oh they were. So I'm not gonna say I'm I'm still I'm not I'm, still, I'm not gonna do that. What am I gonna say? I'm gonna call those things that what's the opposite of being hurt? So now I said, girl, have you gotten over Johnny yet? Man, have you gotten over Susie yet? What you going to say? Now you got the devil and your friend be like, well, girl, you said this yesterday. That was yesterday. <laughs> Scripture says, forget those things which are behind. And press forth those things which are before. I'm pressing for the mark 
for the prize in Jesus' name. Girl, forget about what I said. Today is a new day. Today I'm a new person. I'm calling those things that be not as though they were. I'm healed and I'm whole in Jesus' name. Amen. You get a reminder. You read a Facebook post. I'm closing right here. You read a Facebook post how sister so-and-so after 10 years finally gets child support and you ain't never got none. And that, that post, because see, anything will trigger you these days now. That post triggers you all the way back to when you had your son and you had an argument with his daddy about child support, it takes you all the way back. Now you mad at everybody. No, you're going to call those things that be not as though they were. You're going to know that God's going to take care of that boy or that girl just as well as he would have if he had a mama or a daddy in their life. Did you know that Abraham... Abraham had a servant, Hagar. Hagar and Abraham had a baby together. They shouldn't have, but they did. It was his wife's permission. She gave him permission to step out. Well, he did it. So, dog, that's what happened. I mean, in today's terms, I mean, she's, she, he, it, was a, it wasn't even a threesome. It was just, she, she just said, yeah. So he jumped out. So she gets pregnant. And God was like, Abraham, that's not how I want you to have a son. So what happened is the girl started, you know, looking down on Sarah like, "Uh uh-huh, you can't have no kids. What's up with you? So she saw this lady being like that. So the Bible says she goes to Abraham and says, kick her out. Abraham was grieved. It's his son. God said, You know what God told Abraham? Listen to your wife. Wow. He kicked her out. Here's the problem I have with Abraham. The Bible says he was a rich man. He was wealthy in cattle and gold and silver and all this kind of stuff. But he sent her off with some water and bread. What? No child support. He sent me with some servants, sent me with a donkey, some horses, some grapes, some food. Give me enough money to build me a hut or something. He sent her with some water and some bread. But the Bible says when the baby was crying, she was crying, Hagar was crying, and the baby was crying. And the Bible says God heard the cry of the child. And God said, he's going to be a mighty man of valor. Do not think your kid ain't going to come out amazing just because he wasn't with his daddy or his mama. He's going to come out an amazing man of God, an amazing woman of God, because he's got God the Father now. He don't need his natural father. Say amen. I just said somebody, listen, 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 let it go. It's making you angry. Every head bow. I feel a child support spirit in here. Everybody here. You, you two watching. I, I, feel, I feel some child support issues up in here. I feel it. It's God feeling it. He feels you. With every head bow.
There are some, if you struggle in, that's three words, struggle in with the whole child support thing, you just, it still bothers you that you're raising this kid by yourself. It still bothers you. Oh, I mean, God has to provide it. He's, he's taking care of the baby. But it's, it's bothering you because you know that the baby's daddy can. But for some reason, he's not doing it. I want you to let that go today. I want you to let it go. Because listen, holding on to it has not caused it to manifest. You still don't have it. But God wants you to let that go today. Let it go as an expectation. I want you to give that to God today. Give it to Him. And let Him have it and don't take it back. Because His provision for your life far exceeds whatever check you would have gotten from that man. And I don't know who it is. You know what? I, I want to pray. I feel it strong. If you've struggled with not getting child support, not, not, not getting it from a monetary standpoint, but the principle is what you're struggling with. Today is the day to let it go. I want to pray for you right now with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, raise your hand right there in your chair. Just raise it up. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to do nothing, but just raise your hand. I want to be in agreement. I see hands going up all over the place here. Father, in Jesus' name. You know where they are. You know what's going on in their life. You know the needs that they have had. I see somebody crying right now because your child had some needs. They were real needs and you literally did not have the money to supply the need. And the Lord is telling me, he sees you crying. He says, I got you. And Father, I pray that today when they let this go, they will see an incredible increase in their life that you're going to send favor, open up doors, causes raise to come, raises to come, increase to come their way. I thank you as they let it go. I want you to let it go right now. Let it go. Let it go. And Father, I thank you that as they let it go, now their hands are open to receive from you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. With every head still bowed, if you died today, here's my question. Are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven?